All right, we ready? I guess. I don't have anything to start the show with on this conversation yet. Oh, well, we can figure it out in editing. Oh, I always hate that. Okay. We'll fix it in post. Isn't that the beginning? We'll fix it in post. <laughs> in space. Welcome, everybody, to Church in Space. In 3D! Man, you should be impressed. We are even functioning right now. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, I'm Pastor Dave, and I have an official apology, and that is, sorry, there was no episode this uh, uh, past week. There was no episode, because... <laughs> there in, was no power! There was no power, right. None of us had the power, literally. I uh, did. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I don't count. It's fine. <laughs> <laughs> we are in Columbus, Ohio, and in Columbus, Ohio is experiencing the trifecta of triple-digit temperatures, power drain, and downed lines, which has created rolling blackouts. Yeah. So mm-hmm. it's kind of like playing power roulette. You know, <laughs> will you, in fact, have electricity when you go home? Nobody knows. <laughs> <laughs> yep. We just don't. Yeah. So there was no episode last week because Dan was on a different schedule than I was. And, <laughs> and I'm on the other side of the neighborhood from Dan, and I still had power. So right. we have, yeah. I have no idea. So none of us have any idea. What's Drew going. lives on the right side of the tracks. Apparently. Right. Apparently. There aren't even tracks, and yet he's on the right side uh, yes. of them. I don't know how you pulled that off. I don't know either. <laughs> so welcome, everybody. It seems apt. Well, this has been a note in our book of topics that I keep to do for a while now. And that is a climate change in science fiction yeah. and in religion, because, you know, hey, here we are. <laughs> and B, we just kept putting it off for the next generation. Right. Yeah, well, yeah, 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 yeah. We'll just do that tomorrow. <laughs> and but that was the whole point of it. Right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Now we can't. <laughs> now we can't. Yes. I guess, like, science fiction-wise, the first movie I really remember about that I was like, this is a climate change movie, mm-hmm. was Day After Tomorrow. Yeah, because it kind of went in the opposite direction. Well, but that was the point, right? Like global warming leads to catastrophic cooling. It wasn't like a global warming thing, but it was like a climate change Mm -hmm. thing. That's the first one where, like, not that climate change hasn't been a topic, but, like, that was the first one where it was like, this is very intentional. This is what that is. Any other suggestions? Well, that's the one I really remember that. Well, it depends how you like. For climate change per se, Mm -hmm. yeah, that's probably the first one I remember. But the first one where the climate changed. Yeah, that's a No, I mean, that goes way back. Yeah, that goes way back. Even Planet of the Apes, ultimately, after we nuked ourselves, the climate changed. Right, nuke ourselves, and then, right, the climate changed. Right. No, that's been around forever, right? Or the asteroid hits us, or, you know. But specifically about human-induced climate change. Someone's going to correct us. Someone's Mm going to correct us. But, yeah, I, I would go with that one. Part of the reason that one stands out to me, though, is because they got it all wrong. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, I mean, yeah. right. Well, that's the thing about the first, right? Like, it's almost like hilarious. Yeah. So, like, everything happens too fast, right? Like, Way too fast. <laughs> you get, and that's what bugged me about it. Not that they got it wrong as far as it didn't warm up, it cooled down, because, you know, we don't really have a perfect model yet. Right. Mm-hmm. But from the physics of the laws of thermodynamics, you right. can't have a cold front come through and things freeze solid in 10 seconds, even in space. Base. Right. You it don't freeze time. that solidly. Yeah. yeah, not that fast. So how fast do you get solid in space? Interesting you brought that up because I was reading an article. <laughs> See, this is the problem. So I know you do. <laughs> you don't bring that up just because you kind of have this knowledge. We knew Dan, like Wikipedia, has all the answers. <laughs> That's your new nickname, by the way. Dan the Wikipedia. <laughs> Dan the Wiki. Yeah. Dan the Wiki. It depends on how far you are. 
in our case, because it's so conveniently nearby, Mm -hmm. the sun. Mm -hmm. Because on the solar side, you're going to keep getting heated up. Yeah. You know, on the other side, you're not. You just need to spin. Yeah, that's exactly. I'm thinking rotisserie chicken. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) You actually get a small thermal barrier Mm -hmm. around you. So it's still going to take a while because you do get a little bit of a thermal barrier around your skin. Isn't that why, like, you can stick your hand in, like, super, super hot stuff and not get burned if you do it quickly? Yeah, and the opposite. Like, when I was doing my Amazing Science Emporium in-school demonstrations, I always brought a big canister of liquid nitrogen. Mm -hmm. And I'd pour it on my hand and hold the liquid nitrogen in my hand. Mm -hmm. But that's because it's so super cold, a thermal barrier instantly forms between my hand and that pool of liquid nitrogen. And so you can hold it there a while before you're going to start feeling the cold hit it. Fascinating. I lit my hand on fire one time in middle school. I've long been a very dangerous lab partner. Uh, no. I <laughs> See, the problem is, is that, Dan, if we were in high school together, we would have been expelled. Yeah. You have to sign a waiver to be in class. Yes. <laughs> like a, like a liability waiver to like be in the school. <laughs> One of two things. Either A, we would get kicked out for all the smart-ass comments we would make, or two, we would light each other on fire on pure accident. Soulmates separated just by the cruel fates. Yep. So what we're going to do is we're going to go back in time. We're going to make sure that we meet each other. When I'm in eighth grade and Devin's in seventh grade, we'll finally meet, and then we can destroy the universe. Yeah. Wow. Just by doing that. That escalated quickly. (laughs) (laughs) I was going to conquer the universe, not destroy it. (laughs) But that's the same thing. Yeah. No. I was going to rule mercifully and benevolently. That gets kind of boring. Yeah. What do you do after that? You know, you've achieved the ultimate. So why not just scrap the whole thing? Because Mm -hmm. I was going to be Caesar Augustus and wise and beneficent (laughs) in my rule. But we would make a new universe. That's the thing, is that we would accidentally destroy the universe, but in the same time create a new one. Right. Since we cannot create a new universe to solve climate change. (laughs) What we were talking about, we were talking about being frozen. And not just like the weird polar hurricane vortex thing, but like everything broke down. So like that the transatlantic current breaks down, they see it stop before their eyes. You're like, I'm Mm. pretty sure that has something to do with like momentum and inertia. And like the magma flow at like the bottom of the ocean. Thermal variance. (laughs) And it like the core of the earth itself affects it. If that current stopped that suddenly, it would have affected the Earth's rotation. Right. That's so much mass to suddenly just stop. That energy has to go somewhere. Right. Yeah. Wouldn't it be like if the Earth would stop moving, the entire United States would be gone? Yeah. Like it would get all all the way to California. (laughs) Right. Like we'd all like fling off the face of the Earth. And that too. (laughs) You know, like just go, Ah, no, I fling them. Yeah. (laughs) So Dan, the wiki, what's the rotating speed of the Earth? Let's just do it as a thought experiment, shall we? Oh, come on. I thought you actually knew. A thousand miles an hour. Thank you. <laughs> Here we go. Dan, you answered it in the wrong unit. It has to, <laughs> it has to be in meters. No. We like miles per hour. No. <laughs> yes, we do. <laughs> I'm going to be the lone advocate for the imperial system. All right. Back to climate change, because we haven't gotten through the day after tomorrow, and I'd like to think we can get through the day after. <laughs> we'll do that tomorrow. Yeah. It's okay. <laughs> and you want to rule the universe. And I know. You, you still haven't figured out that Drew and I are never going to stay on topic. <laughs> we do sometimes. We do sometimes. Yeah. 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 That's true. Um, I guess what I think marks this type of science fiction is that it's almost wholly negative. Mm-hmm. 
Which I, I kind of get, but like on the other hand, it's odd what science fiction is negative about and what it's not. There are other things for which we could be very negative about also, but science fiction is pretty optimistic frequently about the prospects. Mm-hmm. And so it's odd that like this one issue, this is the thing that science fiction is wholly, <laughs> mm-hmm. you know, wholly pessimistic about our possibilities. Again, I get why, like there's a lot to be pessimistic about, granted. Mm-hmm. <laughs> On the other hand, it's not like there's no way out, one. We actually have a lot of technology we have nuclear power plants. Like we have, like we actually have a lot of technology that could get us a lot of the way there. Yeah. Already, it's not like we're inventing new stuff. And so it's this odd thing that like this thing is the the pessimistic, unhopeful, despairing topic. Yeah. I want to make a snarky political comment, but um, so what's the snarky comment there, Dan? It's because they know that the Ohio legislature is so easily bribed. Yeah. Well. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Right. The yeah. Ohio legislature will can be bribed to keep an Indiana coal plant open. Yeah. 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 I mean that is true, right? Like obviously, yes. Politics at the moment is a significant barrier. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Granted. <laughs> <laughs> Like, you know, I will grant that one. If I edit this while I'm still sleep deprived, that's staying in. <laughs> okay, that's okay, fine. That's fine. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, it's it's true. It's about power all the time mm-hmm. about what and what can get changed. Mm-hmm. I mean, uh, let's see, sequence of it with Star Trek. You know, we had global warming and then people decide, oh, hey, it's too hot. So maybe we should change our policies. Mm-hmm. And that's when it started down the path of humanity coming together, mm-hmm. you know, trying to solve the racism issue. Mm-hmm. But climate change is just viewed as another reason why to get people together. Right, and that's what it was like in the new version of uh, The Day the Earth Stood Still, mm-hmm. where mm-hmm. Keanu Reeves, right? That's what the aliens are going to wipe us off, because there's like not that many life-buried worlds, and mm-hmm. you guys are crapping on yours, you know? <laughs> yeah. so, like, we're going to eliminate all the humans, and we'll just start over, yeah. <laughs> you know? And and finally, like the aliens are like, well, we should give them a chance to mm-hmm. like solve. That's actually the most optimistic climate movie. I would posit that's actually... Because he goes and he meets John Cleese, right? John Cleese <laughs> plays the professor, yes, and John Cleese yes. changes his mind. That's what we need to solve the climate crisis, John Cleese. How do we keep John Cleese alive until we he have that? freeze his head like Walt Disney. <laughs> no, no, no. Head in a jar. Futurama. Head in a go. jar. Futurama. Absolutely. Yeah, 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 yeah. So circling back, there's a kind of in real life climate doomerism. Not only are we not going to do anything, but like we can't do anything. So just despair. I don't think you meet it in real life, but you meet it a lot online. And I think that attitude is, well, one, unchristian. <laughs> but, like, it doesn't make sense to me, you know? Because, like, well, one, like, there is things we can do. But, two, like, if you really believe God is working in the world, if you really believe that he's got the whole world in his hands, as the children's song goes, then, like, while disaster is possible, total doom is probably not going to happen In fact, if God is working in the world, he's going to work through us, obviously. But, like, action is possible, right? And newness is possible. That's what I find frustrating personally. I'm very optimistic. I know we can solve this. Mm -hmm. And I hold out hope we hit the Star Trek future. Mm -hmm. Yeah. What frustrates me is when I talk to people on an individual basis, they're not willing to give up their convenience to fix the problem. Oh, right. Yes, I'm not going to give up my car because I I can do this, whereas you can bike. Well, and even saying... Yeah. Car. When you yeah. look around, what are people driving? Americans have this fascination with huge monster gas drenching vehicles. And why? One person commuting yeah. in like a 20 foot monster truck every day. Why? Because it makes me look cool. Uh, yeah, I guess. And because I might move a couch one time. Yeah. <laughs> Did you see the new Hummer is so big it has to have a, a front dash camera? Oh my gosh. <laughs> 
because it's so high that like you can't see. Like, the Vulcan in me just is like, no. I can't, there's no logic. There is no logic to no, doing it's a that. Pure, I mean, it's a purely emotional, right? Like, yeah. there, see, there when the Hummer H2 came out, well, I don't remember uh-huh. how long ago that came out. But I remember as a kid, I'm like, that is the most unnecessary thing ever. Yeah. And Americans would rather cut back on food than give up their mega huge vehicle. Yeah. It just astounds me. And I, another reason I feel like I am from another reality. Yeah, you're not from another reality. You're just from Europe. Not <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that same thing. It's like you're Swiss. You're not like. <laughs> but I mean, that speaks to the materialism that our culture has become. Like we are more obsessed about the things that we own, things that we can obtain rather than like food or, you know, providing shelter yeah. for someone. Yeah. It's, hey, I have this big house. I have this big car. Yeah. That's what people are more worried about. And that's yeah. what has led us to climate change that has led us to where we're at now that's why dublin didn't have any brownouts and i think that gets to pastor's point about that is not christian mm-hmm. this whole structure that we've got is very unchristian oh yeah i mean right the despair is not christian the rank materialism is also not christian at all either. Mm-hmm. <laughs> putting the other gods before me Yeah, I mean, right, like this is Luther's explanation of the first commandment. Luther's first question in the large catechism, when it says, you shall have no other gods, then Luther says, we first must ask ourselves, what is a god, right? Mm -hmm, And, mm -hmm. And like Luther comes to the conclusion that a god is anything that you cling to for your ultimate sense of security and purpose, basically. And then Luther goes on this long rant about how, well, anything can be a god, you know? And, And so people cling to their money for their ultimate sense of purpose and People cling to their families, he says, and their honor and their, you know, like all kinds of stuff for their ultimate sense of purpose and, and salvation. And so, right, I think in that sense, right, our stuff. You literally just said to Dan and I, we could be gods. You made that mistake right <laughs> there. No, I said you could, you could have treated as gods, not that you are. Well, I'm cool with that too. <laughs> And that's how you can tell I'm sleep deprived because I completely missed that opportunity. Yes, um, that's why I was looking at you. Like, this is why we need to record in video. Yeah, I would just warn you that God has a habit of smashing idols in very violent ways, i.e., smiting. Yeah, <laughs> it is not good to be a god in Yahweh's way. <laughs> this is the way. You're right. Notice the Egyptians. All right. How about can we attain archangelhood? No. Man. They're a different class of beings. Will you, you quit are. shutting doors in our I'm face? I'm sorry. There are things you cannot do. <laughs> it's a different class of being. Can we be a sub-angel? You cannot become a different class of being. Okay. What if we are, but we're in disguise and we lost our memory as part of our covert mission? Okay. This isn't supernatural. <laughs> <laughs> this isn't supernatural. Here. Well, How do you know, Dave? How do you know? <laughs> I'm just saying, this isn't a D&D campaign. There's no multi-classing. <laughs> <laughs> Wouldn't you actually be able to tell because of how holy people are and you could be able to figure out the radiance from that? Yeah, the automatic reaction to being in the presence of an angel by everybody in scripture is always, I'm going to die because of how holy you are. Yeah. I haven't had that reaction from either of you. No offense. <laughs> wow. I do take offense to that. Well, we haven't had that reaction to I, you either. I, I have never pretended to be a saint. <laughs> I was a bartender before I was a pastor. 
Okay, so it was just training. It was training. It's okay. It, it was. Serving a different kind of spirit. Yeah. It was actually the best pastoral prep I ever had. So should bartending be a part of... I actually think it should. Legitimately, every pastor should be a bartender. Because serving the community, you're learning how to... I learned to listen, right? Mm-hmm. Like, you had to, like, listen to people's stories, and, like, that's kind of what it taught me was, you know, I got tips based on whether I listened to them and talked to them or not. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, whether I actually found them interesting <laughs> you know or even good people to talk or empathetic I, yeah or... Or empathetic in any way like you know you had to sit and listen how do we approach the board at trinity to see that they need to open up a bar good question i'm being yeah. actually serious yeah, yeah, yeah. because that's another avenue of uh revenue for the school mm-hmm. you know if that would to be become part of the it curriculum. used to be a bar across the street called the monk yeah. Yeah, so Toledo Lutheran Campus Ministry started their own own microbrewery. Ooh. The Black Cloister. Started by the Lutherans. Wow. What you could start as a faculty club, and then the faculty club goes public. I like that idea. It could hmm. be like a speakeasy, right? Yes. Ooh. Yeah. Right? Yes. Like... <laughs> yes. <laughs> All right. Trinity Lutheran Seminary, call us. Yes. <laughs> we have plans for you. <laughs> yes. Well, why don't we do that? That's a good question, actually. You have a pastor friend who runs a yep. microbrewery. Well, right? at least a classmate, yeah. And I have another one who's good. He's actually getting funding from the Senate to try and start one. I know someone who can make mead. I actually tried to grow hops one year. I got told we can't because they smell like a certain type of plant when they're growing. And that we shouldn't have that type of plant around the house smelling that way. Hops? Yes. Hmm. What type of? Marijuana. Oh, interesting. But I feel like that would still bring people to the church somehow. Yeah. <laughs> Regardless, bringing people to the church for hops or something that smells like hops. Spiritually high. That <laughs> was an old Cheech and Chong routine. I was all messed up on drugs. But since I found the Lord... Now I'm all messed up on the Lord. Yeah. <laughs> to make a career out of being high is really an incredible thing. <laughs> uh, I never noticed there's actually a lot of different kinds of hops. Mm-hmm. So I think I grew the more citrusy ones. So like they actually smelled fruity, not like cannabis like. So how do we get money? We need a mission grant. We'll talk about that later. We have talked ourselves into starting a brewery at Resurrection. Uh, we haven't solved climate change. We should change. buy a bar. <laughs> <laughs> we haven't solved climate change. And I, we probably won't anytime we'll soon. We'll solve it next time. That's the resolution. We'll solve it next time. I'm going to make one last attempt to get us Fire away. back to the top. Back to the Here's top. the cowboy hat. Yeah. Wow. Thank you, partner. Yeah. Is uh-huh. part of the reason for sci-fi's gloomy outlook mm-hmm. on humanity's future vis-a-vis climate. Mm-hmm. tied to our anti-Christian lifestyle in the United States of America, in that, okay. what we were talking about earlier, right? We are more than willing to put convenience uh-huh. above what, in a Christian ethos, is more important. Another human's mm-hmm. life, another human's lifestyle, yeah. you know, just getting them to be able to have more than one pair of clothes, one right. pair of shoes, and a house, or, you know, some kind of roof over their head. Yeah. We would rather be able to just drive a huge honking truck than look out for our fellow human. So could that be why Hollywood is so pessimistic in their view? Because they see that reality. Yeah. So like this past Sunday, we had the there's the Romans passage, right, where Paul goes, suffering leads to endurance, endurance leads to character, character produces hope, hope doesn't disappoint. And, and I was reading a commentary, and like one of the things it said is, if this really is the chain of events, right, like you get to hope through suffering, mm-hmm. then 
it explains a lot about our society, said the commentary, because like we are the society where if we're about anything, we're about clinically avoiding suffering at all costs. Mm-hmm. But if suffering is what gets you to hope, that also explains why we're one of the most despairing societies, since we're never actually willing to embrace And I wouldn't say suffering like I stubbed my toe or I got cancer, but like suffering like giving up something for the sake of the larger purpose or good or to save somebody. You know, we're so unwilling to do that. And I think there is something to like the result of not being willing to suffer that way results in a lot less hope, you know, because the chain does start there. You know, like that kind of suffering produces something, which then produces another thing, which in the end kind of leads to a hope that says, you know what? I'm suffering here, but it's for a larger thing. That Paul guy was pretty insightful. He is. He's pretty smart. That dovetails with another Mm -hmm. science study I read (laughs) where they analyzed the empathy Mm -hmm. of average people versus the wealthy. Yeah, I've Mm -hmm. I've read studies like this. Yeah. I mean, the average and even the poor people are often far more empathetic. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. There are exceptions, but as a rule, the wealthier have far, far less empathy for their fellow human beings. Mm-hmm. I used to be an inner city pastor and my experiences, it was always far easier to convince people to be generous in the inner city than it ever was out mm. in the suburbs. Mm. You know, there was less to give, but people were pretty generous. And, say, and even that, right? Mm-hmm. Less to give means it hurts more to give it. It, it yeah. means more. Yeah. When I ran a nonprofit, people used to ask me why I didn't go as gaga over a wealthy donor giving us 50 bucks Mm -hmm. as I did over, and this really would happen, a homeless person coming up and giving us five bucks. Mm -hmm. And I said, because that $5 from the homeless person was a real sacrifice. It's like a whole meal. Yeah. Five bucks is a lot. You know, they truly, truly gave up something important in their life to help Mm -hmm. our nonprofit keep going. Yeah. That wealthy person, they're not even going to remember that they gave us that money. It's a drop to them, whereas it's a whole bucket of water from the homeless guy. Or, and not to name names, one of the wealthiest person in our area, Mm -hmm. it always comes with a catch. It's Mm -hmm. never just a gift. Here, Mm -hmm. do what you can with this to benefit the most people. There's always strings attached. Yeah. Naming Mm -hmm. rights or the right to appoint people on your board of directors or... And that happens with the wealthy, too. It's not, it's not, not just generosity, right? right? It's always like, oh, I've got to get something in return. Right. Well, and then it's a payment, right? It's not giving anymore. So two things. Number one, mm-hmm. then I blame the Dutch and corporations. Number two— You bring it back to tulips every week. I, I do. <laughs> We've yeah. been on this tulip brand for a <laughs> right, bit. Right. My people, the Dutch East India Company. I'm very proud. <laughs> First mega corporation. That was us. <laughs> Point two— the generational, not to say gap, but like what I keep remembering is we go to the moon not because it's easy, but it's because it's hard. Yeah. You know, mm-hmm. that generation wanted to do something bigger. Exactly. Like if we had, you know, not to say better scientists, but if we had a better way of getting out the information back in the 60s and be like, hey, we got to do this now, or it could be really, really bad in. 10 years and then my generation that's just so apathetic to it all right like it's just like eh, i don't want to do that at one point the apollo program was taking up like 25 percent of like the federal budget mm-hmm. maybe it was like 20 but like comparable to the pentagon's budget not like the little sliver that it is today <laughs> yeah. you know but like people forgot that like to do that it involved deaths right literal people died yeah and we spent more money than we could possibly come 
comprehend on like NASA had an almost unlimited budget. Yeah. You know, yeah. like it was possible to do, but it took these vast sacrifices, yeah. you know, back to suffering and sacrifices. And we, you know. we benefited in the long run too, because a lot of that money was actually being spent on boosting science and math education in our public schools. Mm-hmm. I mean, we're starting to see the second space age now. And, you know, hopefully that leads to something, Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. but because it's all privatized, it's not public, it's probably not going to have the same effect. No, and that's part of the issue. Like, a lot of people don't realize NASA cannot own any of the tech they develop. Mm -hmm. Anything that NASA develops, any Mm -hmm. new tech, anything like that, has to be made available to the broader public and the private sector. Mm -hmm. If you're privatized all that research, Mm -hmm. that doesn't cascade out into the rest of society and benefit it. So that's one downside of privatization. The upside is we all but killed our space program as a government operation. Well, the upside is price per rocket lift has actually gone way down. They're reusable now. Right. Well, right. And they're figuring out new ways to do it. You know, there are upsides to it, but there are costs. Yeah. Yeah. And in the future, it means everything in the universe will be named after corporations. On the flagship McDonald's. Yeah. <laughs> Not just stadiums. No. no. <laughs> it's going to be asteroids, planetoids. Right. Right. And this week is the McDonald's versus Wendy's battleship. <laughs> <laughs> On that very hopeful note. Let us get to our game. Our game today is a little more complicated than it usually is. I'm calling this the reverse science fiction property draft. The theory of it is is that you are offered creative control over any science fiction property universe. And we're all going to do three picks of which ones we would not do. Okay. Which science fiction universes would we not want to touch For example, if Disney comes to you with Star Wars and says, we want to make you complete creative control director over the entire Star Wars property universe, would you say yes? But if you would say absolutely not, you might pick Star Wars as your first draft pick. The worst science fiction property universe, number one overall pick is Star Wars. Why would you be like, I'm not going to touch Star Wars? The toxicity of the fans. Oh, okay. That's a real real consideration. Yes. The toxic. I mean, look at... Episodes oh, eight and nine. Obi-Wan. Or like, Obi-Wan and the actress from Obi-Wan. The toxicity of the fans. Yeah. I read this online and it was totally true, but it was like people complained about not seeing enough Anakin. And then as soon as we had that thing where we saw like Anakin, like when he's at Padawan again, mm. you know, oh, yeah. and as soon as we saw that, everybody then started complaining about how he doesn't look 19 anymore. And it's like, okay, guys, pick one. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like, yeah. Like, like he's, he's 40 now. Like, I don't know what to <laughs> yeah. tell you. Like, <laughs> the third sister. The third sister. The character yeah. is supposed to be that way. Okay. Yeah. Stop harassing her. She plays it so well. Exactly. Yeah. And what's her name from episode eight that had to... Uh, she had to get off Twitter. Get off yeah. all social media. media. Yeah. So, oh, yes. Oh, right. Marie Trant. Right? Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yes. Yeah. So... With the number one overall pick, Star Wars. Star yeah. Wars. If I could just blank everyone's minds and start Star Wars from like a completely new perspective, mm-hmm. yes, that would be my number one overall pick for the best. best. But uh, because of the fans, the number one overall pick goes Star, Star Wars. Wars. Excellent. Okay. That's a good pick. That's a mm-hmm. sneaky pick. I was not expecting that one. Because yeah. there's uh-huh. a lot of good about it, right? I mean, oh, yeah. Like, yeah. Like Mandalorian. I, I think Obi-Wan's been great. Mm-hmm. But I agree. The fan base is just toxic. Toxic, yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm intolerant yeah oh man yeah Mm -hmm. so i'll go to two and i'm gonna do an easy one and this is the dc universe that's low-hanging fruit yeah there are so many things with it i the parts that work 
seem like completely separated from the parts that don't, Uh (laughs) you know, it's like, it's not, you can even easily integrate, you know, like wonder woman one works, but that seems so completely separate from wonder woman Two. wonder woman (laughs) two, even, you know, like they have pieces that are really good, right? Like Jason Momoa as Aquaman is an inspired pick. Yes. The Mm -hmm. actual execution of the movie Aquaman, literal drowning, Who's Batman anymore? Like I'm Batman. <laughs> started Ben Affleck now. Like is Robert Patrick like gonna be Batman for the rest? What's even happening with Superman? <laughs> is Henry Cavill even gonna play it anymore? <laughs> if I might just interject. Yeah. I would love it if Henry Cavill could play him one more time, uh-huh. but give him a decent script. Yes. Right. And that's not to right. So there's all the script writing and all the stuff about that. And so not to mention. The, have you heard the whole mess with the guy who plays The, the Flash? Flash? Yeah. yeah. How he's oh taunting the police. Oh, uh, <laughs> uh, let's just not talk about that. That's just a whole bad thing about, first of all, casting bad decisions. Yeah. Um, Amber Heard, uh, Ezra Miller. Not yeah. to say they have their own issues, but you cast these people. You kind of have to own up to it. Right. So I, anyway, I think it's I think it's an easy pick just to take the DC universe and be mm-hmm. like, yeah, that's number two. That's a... <laughs> But Dan, idea for whatever next movie with Henry Cavill as Superman, Mm -hmm. Bizarro's in it and have Henry Cavill as playing Bizarro. Ooh. That would be really good. Really show his acting chops. Yeah. That would be really good. All right, Dan, with the number three overall pick in the worst science fiction properties draft, you would not want creative control over... I'm going to get a lot of flack for this. Okay. I'm going with the Orville. You're going with the Orville. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Why the Orville? This is the Fox television show, if you don't know. Yeah. So now it's on Hulu. Yes. Um, I do it because mm-hmm. it has an impossible job. Okay. It's got to be a tribute to Star Trek, maintaining high, serious sci-fi themes, mm-hmm. and yet still inject the lowbrow comedy of Family Guy. It's hard to please everyone. I personally like it. Mm-hmm. I, yeah. It took several episodes to get it. Yeah, feet. I think a lot yeah. of us personally like it. Yeah. yeah. But you're right. Creatively, it's that's a difficult As line a draft to walk. Pick, it does have a lot of countervailing yes. forces yeah. to it. Yeah, you know? yeah, yeah, yeah. Dan with a good surprise pick. Yeah, it's a good pick. All right, Drew. All right, pick. so the second round. Second round. My so pick. Second round. Pick would one. Would be Bethesda. So, like so Fallout. Fallout's included with that. Mm. Elder Scrolls is included with that. Okay, I think I know where you're going with this, but, but tell me why. They can't get anything done. <laughs> I've been playing Skyrim for so long. <laughs> That's the point. That's also the point. I know, right? It's like I've been playing Skyrim for so long. It's After like, playing Skyrim, because it's still to this day, it is ten years old right. and is still a fantastic game. You can't That's beat true. it. That's a good point. I hadn't thought about it that way, but right. No matter what, Elder Scrolls Six will not be Skyrim. Yes, you're correct about then, that. Then what was your anticipation of my pick? Well, my explanation would have been. So that would be number one, right? You have a new owner, and I think owner is a factor in this, Mm -hmm. right? And, like, it's kind of like when Mass Effect got bought by EA. EA just kind of screwed the whole franchise, (laughs) you know? (laughs) Including Battlefront. (laughs) Yeah, right. You know, like, it just caused too many problems, right? And so, like, similar thing, like, I'd be worried about ownership. I'd be worried that Microsoft would prioritize profit over, like, quality product. So, like, I'm worried about that. I like Fallout 4, don't get me wrong. Like It's one of my probably top five 
most played games, mm-hmm. but like I'm worried about the direction of the Fallout universe. We keep getting games in this universe, but nothing ever seems to change. Except for location. Except for location. And like, fair enough, but you'd think after 200 years, somebody would have developed a new car by now. <laughs> <laughs> or like something. <laughs> like, I get it. They keep making decisions that, like, even within their own lore universe, don't quite, like, why are we finding super mutants in Boston? Mm. Like, there weren't supposed to be, like, there was a reason super mutants existed. Now Boston also had FEV, the forced evolutionary virus. Like, Mm. wait, what? There's that. (laughs) Bethesda makes a lot of commercial decisions that, like, kind of start subtracting from what made the games Mm. good. So with Pastor's second round pick... That almost sounded like it was. Like he was just. Mm, I know. Well, I was thinking about it. It would have been. Um, I'm going to think Lord of the Rings, Amazon, you know, the, the Amazon Lord of the Rings universe that they're attempting. I would be very cautious about touching that for a lot of reasons. One, it will always be compared to the Jackson films. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. it's, it's going to be very. Not that it's impossible. But even when Jackson made the Hobbit films, like it was hard for Jackson <laughs> to live up to, to live, live up, up to, to Jackson's yeah. own things. Not yeah. to mention whatever the heck you're doing. I think you're working with material that's much less developed. You're working with Silmarillion material, which kind of reads like a combination genealogy Wikipedia article. <laughs> you know, <laughs> what's the first chapter of Gospel that literally lists Matthew? Yeah, it kind of reads like the opening of Matthew, and it's like that's what you're working with, you know. And like, don't get me wrong, there are real stories in there. Yeah. But it's weird. <laughs> mm-hmm. To me, the Silmarillion, and I think this was its origin, it mm-hmm. reads like a writer's notes to him or herself about a world they're creating. And that's what it was. Wasn't it like an unfinished book that it they was like dug out from like a behind something? It was kind of radiator. Yeah. yeah well, it was an unfinished. It was. It was Tolkien's notes about his own universe yeah. that his son then like cleaned up and published. And like that's what it reads like. One and so it's very weird to then be like we're going to create a multi-season television show and hopefully spawn more properties off of this. Like if somebody offered me creative control direction of that, I'd be like, well, <laughs> I'm, I'm, a, I'm, "I'm a simple parish pastor. I'm okay." <laughs> so that would be my that would be my pick. A pastor, not a script doctor. Damn it. Yeah. Right. Exactly. Damn it. Damn it. <laughs> so anyway, that's my second pick. And for Dan's, for Dan, I'm going with Avatar. Okay. Okay. This one should have been higher probably on the board, but it's fallen to this role. Yeah. You're snatching it up at a bargain value. I am. am. (laughs) Third pick in the second round. Yeah. We could list Avatar's many problems. Yeah. We have before on this Yeah, we have. And for that reason, I just, I wouldn't want to, if I would just want to just do a new property. Yeah. And create something from scratch. It's just, it was way overhyped when it came out. Mm -hmm. I get what Cameron wanted to do. Yep. Quick clarification. We're talking about the Avatar, the property that's now owned by Disney, not Avatar, the last airbender. Correct. Yes, because yeah, someone I got know. confused I last time. I did confused yes. last time. But yeah, it just, and watching the trailer for the new one that's coming out. I don't know what it's about. Right. You can't really tell what it's about. I'm never going to watch it, so. I can't describe it to you because I don't know what it's yeah. about other than that there's lots of water. <laughs> yeah. Like, Part of the trailer <laughs> would seem to indicate that they kind of violated how the last movie ended. Continuity doesn't jive up. Right. And again, even still, with all these years later, the tech, it still looks like an animated, computer-generated. I mean, for gosh sakes, ABBA's Voyage pseudo-concert in London looks more real yeah. than the Avatar movies. Yeah, it does look pseudo. You're right about that. Yeah. I hadn't thought about that, but it does look... 
Okay. I mean, come on. If Abba can do it, Cameron, mm-hmm. buddy, you yep. can do it too. You can do it too. Absolutely. So no, I don't. I don't want to touch that. <laughs> yep. Okay. It's a good pick. Dan's getting some good value at, a, yeah. at, a, at his third picks here. So Jeez. I'm impressed. The pressure. Yeah, the pressure. I know, right? His franchise is going to be reinvigorated by these good picks. All right, Drew, third round. I'm going to make a sports reference. Would anyone like to trade for my pick? No. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm comfortable. Dang it, I'm I want to be the Browns. <laughs> well, I was going to save my picks for next time. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> when we do the, the properties that we want first. Yeah. <laughs> I'm, I'm comfortable with this one. <laughs> I got to go Harry Potter. Yeah. It's similar to my first overall pick with Star Wars, the fans. Fan base is a big problem with yep. Harry Potter. J.K. Mm-hmm. Rowling. I would also say there's a right the the original author is problematic. <laughs> yes. Yes. You know, yeah. She, yep. The material is also entirely derivative. It is derivative. It is also like I'm not sure what new there was at least like in its derivativeness there was something new about the original books. The only new uh, thing that those books did was getting kids to read. Yeah, yeah. and that was good. That and, was good. And, yes. and that was good. But like I'm but I'm not sure what more like the Fantastic Beast thing that they've been on lately. It's like what more new like okay, the only redeeming feature seems to be Jude Law's Dumbledore. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> the only other thing that you could possibly do is do either really, really early wizarding stuff mm-hmm. or really, really like almost futuristic 10, 20 years in the future. Not like, hey, muggles are like in space, mm-hmm. but what would happen if there were wizards in space? And what do you do when muggle technology is at a level where it's almost indistinguishable from your magic anyway? Mm-hmm. What then sets you apart? Right? Exactly. I'm shaking my head just because I, I've been like this from the first Harry Potter book. It is so derivative. Yeah. I am frankly amazed that neil gaiman hasn't launched a lawsuit (laughs) Mm -hmm. (laughs) because it it just it's so Mm -hmm. pulls so much out of neil gaiman's books of magic Mm -hmm. that came out years before harry potter yeah that's another show an entire rant i could go on for an Mm -hmm. hour next week is um we're gonna draft out of the remaining picks yeah (laughs) okay Um, And I will trade picks because I know what I want for first overall. (laughs) I will trade picks. Will you tell me what you want, what you really, really want? Just tell me what you want, what you really, really want. (laughs) You want to? I will save you. Uh, Come on, get with the improv here. No, I'm sorry. I don't do improv. (laughs) Uh, So second overall pick. Um... Man, your third round pick. And third round pick. So, yeah, third round. Yep. <laughs> you know, I'm going to take Mass Effect. One, there's EA, right? So the owner's not great. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know? And let me ask you why. Why not great with EA? Because well, they have a habit of ruining every video game they touch. Madden. <laughs> I, I really liked Mass Effect 3, mm-hmm. actually. Like, gameplay-wise, it's actually probably my favorite of the, the, the original three. But the ending is so bad that it, like, ruined the whole game. Mm. <laughs> and it kind of ruined the whole trilogy. <laughs> like, the ending was so epically okay. yeah. bad. And then you, you had Mass Effect Andromeda, which was just a really bad game, period. It's mm-hmm. like you're, you're coming off a two-stinker bomb, mm-hmm. and then they're starting over, or they're doing a new game, right, which is supposedly set in the same, like, universe as the or- original trilogy. Yeah. I just think it has all the problems of like the toxic fan base. People are going to be expecting Mass Effect 1 and 2, which were brilliant games. Mm-hmm. And like it's going to be very hard to live up 
to that. You have mm-hmm. the pressures from ownership where EA wants profitability. On top of, like, I don't know where you go from we save the universe from the galactic extinction robots. <laughs> like, what's the more over-the-top... You've set the bar so high. Right. The bar is so high for, like, the stakes of the universe. Like, (laughs) what are the stakes anymore that are going to be compelling? Because, like, the galactic extinction robots were pretty compelling. So, like... (laughs) But that's where you get, then, Drew and I destroying the universe. Right. Well... By accident. (laughs) By accident. Yeah. So, I'll Because we're lab partners. Right. Like, could it turn out okay? Possibly. But, like, I'd be really hesitant it's yeah. like if they were like you get creative control over the new mass effect projects it's like eh, i don't know can you sell yourself to somebody else <laughs> <laughs> that's interesting to me just from the standpoint that i know how much you loved one and two i did and i even really liked three up until until the end the end so, so if that's where it went awry for you uh-huh. Why not go ahead and take that over? Why would this be one of your draft picks? Well, it's also about like owner, and it's also about Mass Effect Andromeda was in there too. Yeah, and like so, it's about the track record from the ending on forward. Plus corporate, right? Like okay. plus corporate okay. that okay. makes me like really like I would not want creative control over this franchise yeah. anymore. I can get that because there are, there are some executive producers I wouldn't want to work with. There's a director I used to work with that yeah. I would never want to work with again. Right, and it's like even if you love the I love the games, but I just wouldn't want to, yeah. you know. Can I throw out a wild card for my pick? Fire away. Jurassic Park. Uh, someone that was going to go undrafted that you could have gotten just having to pay very little money to you're having to pay him a bunch of money now. Wow, Dan. I gave myself the slush fund yeah. with the other one. Yeah. Yeah. Great, great first movie. Yes. Mm-hmm. Absolutely loved it. Yeah. Home mm-hmm. run. Right. I mean, from every aspect. Of right. It. The set design, creature design. Theme. Theme. Acting, script. Acting, script, it all director, worked. everything was perfect. And ever since then... It's It's almost like, and I love Agatha Christie, uh-huh. but she had a formula. And uh-huh. part of why I like Agatha Christie is I read Agatha Christie novels when I don't want to have to think, when I need right. downtime on you my brain. You formula. Yeah, 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 yeah. I don't want that when I'm paying 15, 20 bucks to go see a movie. I want originality. I want, and every Jurassic Park movie has followed the same freaking formula right. over and over and over. You can almost go in with a checklist yeah. and say, okay, now here's what's going to well, happen. And the formula next. doesn't work anymore because, like, I got, like, why it worked the first time. Yeah. You know, nobody had ever done dinosaurs, but, you know, yeah. but, like, how many times can you go back to this freaking island and decide, yes, let's be on the same general territory as the dinosaurs this never works right Mm -hmm. (laughs) and then when you finally get them off the island it's like okay gee can we predict what's going to happen now that you've got them off the island right the dinosaurs are going to come with you (laughs) off the island you know and it's like there's this endless circle back it's like why isn't the u.s government just nuked this island (laughs) yeah it just if they could give me something more original like they uh, they kind of they almost got there when they had the whole chris pratt bonded with the one velociraptor that was a cool concept like they rebuilt the park yeah Yeah, the first one coming back but then it was just rehash of the first one again exactly so it wasn't enough to if they had really thought through that Uh and created a very original jurassic park thread out of that Mm -hmm. yes it's also like i wouldn't want creative control over it because everybody who remembers the first one 
it's an impossible standard to live up yeah. to. You know? it's, it's back to your it's, thing with Lord of the Rings right. on Amazon. It's Spielberg and John Williams at like the height of their powers. Yeah. Cre- from a Michael Crichton book, which was also at the height of Michael Crichton's yeah. powers. It's the height of everybody's power that like, you know. It all, yeah, all of them. They came together on yeah. this one. Jurassic Park's a good pick, though. Yes. I agree. I would not want to touch that. If they offered me creative control, I'd be like, nope. Well, no, yeah, I'll keep preaching on Sundays. <laughs> thank you. <laughs> All right, folks. Well, if you think we're wildly wrong, and if you think the Jurassic Park franchise is the greatest franchise that's ever lived in media history, let us know. You know. In millions and millions of years. <laughs> that's right. <laughs> well, they'll clone us and bring us back to life. <laughs> Wait, that would be great. <laughs> I have a thing on why clones actually should happen. <laughs> but that's a story for another day. That's a, that's a story for a different day. Whether it's about cloning or climate change, this has been Church in Space. In 3D! See ya, folks. So, Dan, you were trying to get us back onto topic. Dan? Yeah, Drew? Do you have unlimited power? I've got the... It's okay, Dan. We still love you.